today we wanted to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. See, Pastor Tyler was talking about this last week, and we're leading up to the celebration of Pentecost in the coming weeks. And one of the things is that oftentimes we lose track of why it is that the Holy Spirit is such a vital and necessary part of who God is. The thing is that oftentimes we can get distracted, and we sometimes have this idea of taking so long trying to think about what we think God should mean that we don't actually take the time to be asking what God is actually saying. You see, sometimes, as Pastor Tyler mentioned, is that we sometimes ask this question of what does God's word say and what is God's spirit saying as if the two of them are not supposed to always agree. And the thing is that with that is that we oftentimes ask the wrong question with that. You see, sometimes we are actually afraid to allow room in our lives for the Holy Spirit to actually lead us in directions we might not have been expecting. See, oftentimes we don't even know what we're listening for in hearing the Holy Spirit. You see, this question comes up of, are we too caught up in waiting to hear what we're expecting what we think God needs us to hear, needs to say to us, that we end up missing out on what he's actually doing and what he's actually saying. Uh, some years back, I, I had told y'all about the Lego duck that I had made. It was uh, basically, I had a bunch of leftover Legos, and I'm like, hey, I'll make a duck. Do I know how to make a duck? I don't know how to make a duck. But I put the pieces together as best I could, and I was pretty happy with myself. And why was that? Because there were no instructions for it. You see, as a kid, I was always trying to figure out where the instructions were. Now, my first Legos were back when I was like four and five, so I'd already torn those things up like a long time ago. They were just gone. So I would be sitting there with all these pieces in front of me trying to figure out, what do I do with it? I have no idea. And so typically, I'd end up making houses or something like that. I was already an urban planner as a child. I didn't even know it. With it, though, is that I was constantly asking this question of, what do I do when it's not spelled out for me, when it's not laid out easily to tell me how to handle it. You see, oftentimes we struggle when we have free reign to do what we feel that we're supposed to do. Sometimes it's like too much freedom. We don't quite know what to do with it. Sort of like when, whenever it's like you become a workaholic and you have a day off and you're like just sitting there in your house, you're like, I don't even know what to do now. Whenever we are growing up, we oftentimes find ourselves copying the tastes and the opinions and the thoughts of the people around us because that's just naturally what ends up happening. I, I was always the oddball uh, in the family because it'd be like Friday night at 7 p.m. and I'm like, I want to watch a science fiction show. Sliders is on. I need to find out how they're getting from one alternate reality to the next one. And mom and dad and my sister are just like, what is wrong with this child? How did we raise him this way? What? We need to watch a murder mystery or a British show. One or the other. Something in there. My sister's probably watching one of those British murder mysteries right now. With it, though, is this idea that we follow so much of what we think is expected. So when you find somebody who's into the science fiction shows or likes anime before anime was cool or enjoys Irish music 
is that oftentimes we wonder what's going on because the thing we've expected is not what we end up seeing. Revelation, the passage we have, is very much like that. You see, in the Revelation passage, it is speaking about the temple. But what's interesting about it is realizing that there is no physical temple anymore. You see, this is written by John at a time when the temple had been destroyed. You see, the way that they were used to what meant worship to them was gone. He was speaking to a community that had lost what they thought of as their normal connection with God. You see, oftentimes in the Old Testament, when they would reference worshiping at the high places around the area as being a bad thing, it was because anytime people didn't come back to Jerusalem to worship God, they completely went off the deep end. It was like you never knew what was going to happen. So it was like, we have to come back to Jerusalem. We have to worship here to make sure that everybody is on the right track. And then what happens when you realize that the very temple in Jerusalem is gone? See, that's the thing, is that oftentimes we get caught up in what we're expecting from God more than listening to God. And with that, it makes it so easy to condemn anyone and everyone that falls outside of what we're comfortable with. Oftentimes, whenever the Apostle Paul is writing in his letters about not being saved by works, he's focusing in many ways on all the things that the Jews were so focused on. Did you celebrate all the festivals the right way? Did you get circumcised at the right time? Did you make sure that you had this Passover? Do you, can you trace your lineage? All these things. And yet, when the time came for God's Spirit to be reaching out beyond the Jewish people, they weren't quite ready to know what to do with that. But it's not just them. Lutherans do the same thing. Heaven forbid if we ever have a worship service that doesn't have a creed. Or I remember this one time, and this person will probably know that I'm talking about them. If not, I'll make sure I let them know later. But we were doing the confession and absolution during worship, and it was either Sue or Pastor Tyler or somebody had thought about, let's put a song in between the confession and the absolution so that you have a time to think about, you know, God's grace and everything before you hear that God has forgiven you. And I was sitting right there, and I got a text on my phone during the song, after the confession, where someone says, where's the absolution? God bless them, they're right. They're sh God's forgiveness is there, but it was so funny because it was coming, but because at that moment, it wasn't the way we expected it, we pause. And that's the thing about this is that Jesus' disciples are listening to Jesus, but they don't get it because they're expecting something else. You see, we look back and we read this, and we know he's talking about the fact that he will be crucified and later then rise again and go to be with the Father. But that's not what they're expecting. They're expecting someone who's with them, who's going to change the political landscape around them and make everything look good in that surrounding area. So they're completely confused. And they keep even earlier in the chapter asking, D do you know what he's talking about? He's going to go, and then he's going to like come back, and why don't you ask him, why don't you ask him? And there's Jesus like, okay, which one of you is going to actually ask me? Because the thing is, is that they only felt comfortable 
in believing Jesus when he talked in ways that made sense to them. See, it finally gets to the part where they're saying, oh, now you're speaking in ways we get it. So, so we believe you, Jesus. And we believe that you're from God. And he's looking at them and says, oh, do you now believe? And the reason why we would tend to believe that that's a sarcastic do you now believe is because he follows it up by letting them know, yeah, you're going to run away. When all this happens, you're not going to be right there with me. When all the things I've been telling you about come to place, you still actually don't get it, and you're going to be frightened, and you're going to run off. See, that's the thing about this, is that oftentimes we trust in God more because we see him doing what we're expecting him to do, and yet there are so many things that God is doing beyond what we can imagine. See, that's the thing about this, is that when life gets messy and the instructions are gone, do we know what to do? That's the hard part. Do we know what to do? And see, that's the thing with this, is that when Jesus is saying, ask of the Father in my name, it's not meant to be one of those things where it's like you tack it on, like an incantation or something like that. Oh, dear God, my car's not working very well. I'd really like a nice new car in Jesus' name. Oh, dear God, I'm worried about so-and-so in my life. Would you uh, speak to them and make sure that everything's going well in Jesus' name? is that in Jesus' name is a larger, more encompassing idea, is that this is more than words. It's about seeing what God has shown us in his Son and by his Spirit. In Jesus' name is seeing everything through how Christ has given it to us. See, the thing is that we... As the sinners, the flawed people that we are, we being in need. The thing is that we've also been given everything as an inheritance. You see, when, when Jesus is saying, you will be able to ask the Father anything, you won't need to say, Jesus, would you go to your dad and, and talk to him for us? This isn't one of those weird things where it's like, yeah, can you pass it along here to there? It is now that we are children of God. It's sort of like when, when my sister ended up marrying my brother-in-law and he had a daughter. The thing is that whenever like the grandparents want to hang out with her, it doesn't have to be, okay, now let's make sure that, that we're with your dad and this and the other. They can take her for coffee just because they love her. And the same thing with God is that God is not having to be, uh, do, do, I have to, do I have to deal with these people today? Because of Jesus, he just loves us. And that's the thing with this, is that when the Old Testament, whenever they would talk about the mountain of God, don't touch it, don't get too close, be careful about that, is that now, God has completely changed the way that looked. It even says in the Old Testament that there was a time where God is speaking and it is so frightening to the people that they literally say, Moses, could you tell God to shut up? We can't handle this. Could you imagine 
not wanting to hear from God because it made you uncomfortable. But that's the thing about this, is that in Jesus' name, his promise, his authority, his sacrifice, his covenant with us, his resurrection, this is not about figuring out whether we are doing well enough that we can approach the mountain. This is about knowing that we've already become his children and that we are already there. And the thing with that is that in so doing is that oftentimes when we look around us and the world doesn't fit the way that, that we expect it to be. I know that there are some of you that are pretty sure you know what would probably fix the world around us and you've got it all figured out and sometimes we have a beer and you let me know. <coughs> but with it, is realizing that in the midst of all of this messiness, all of these Legos that are scattered around that seem to come from different sets, is that somehow God is doing something bigger than we realize. And that his work by his spirit is still happening even at the times when we don't understand. See, that, that brother-in-law and I, See, he's more of a sports fan than I am. I don't know. He's got some sort of way with the numbers and everything, and he can remember stats and everything like I'll get out. And I'm like, okay, I like the people in maroon. I hope they win. That's my, that's my way of doing it. I mean, that, that's pretty standard, right? Yeah, exactly. Boop. Okay, yeah. So with it, I don't know. Some people are going to that other school, but it's okay. There's grace for them too. <laughs> Y'all caught the pun? Okay, good. Now, with that, though, is we went to this LSU A&M game, and the thing is that at the time, I'm pretty sure LSU was, like, fifth in the nation, and I don't know, A&M might have been 24th or something. It was not great. They might have barely been ranked, and, and we're getting to the very end, and we see LSU making this touchdown, and it's like, you know, like a minute to go, or it was something ridiculous, like seconds, I don't know, something ridiculous, and my brother-in-law are like, you know, maybe we should just go ahead and try to beat the crowd or something like that because we got to get back to Houston from College Station. And as we're walking out, we're like, you know what, let's, let's just pause for a second. We were almost done, whatever. The touchdown got overturned by a call from the ref. A&M ended up tying it before the end with regulation time, and they went into seven overtimes, tied for the most number of overtimes in college football history, and then at the end, A&M won. Whoop! We were, thought we had it all figured out, and we nearly missed out on one of the best college football games of all time, rather than waiting to see how it was going to play out. And that is oftentimes what we keep doing with God, is that oftentimes we are left with this feeling of this doesn't make sense. I don't get it. And it's almost like we're afraid. God, none of this makes sense to me. I don't know why my world is working the way that it is. And yet we don't realize that it's not only that we can approach him, but literally say, I am clothed with your son. What are you doing in my life? Not will you do anything in my life. What are you doing in my life? Because by faith, we know that he is. And that's the thing with this, is that it's not about looking for everything in our world to be spelled out. It's not about trying to figure out, okay, did, did, I, did I get everything right in this study? Did I make sure I parsed this out? But rather is realizing that this word is revealing 
God's Spirit that's working even today in us. Not because everything looks the same, but because it's the same God and the same Savior. But the thing is that even at the times when we aren't comfortable, we still know that God is laying things on our hearts. And you're going to mess it up. You are going to mess it up. And you may even look ahead of time and say, God, I see how messy not only things are in my life, but I'm afraid that if I try, I'm going to make it even worse. But that's the thing about being clothed in his son. Is that God is not looking at us and seeing the flaws. He's looking at us and seeing his child. Because that's the good thing about being his child is that even as messed up as we can be, who is it that you're always willing to defend and be there for, no matter how badly they've messed it up? And so in closing, I, I need to go back to those Legos. It's very important. Because remember those same Legos where I was like, I don't have the instructions. I don't know what to do with them. My cousin would come along. My cousin was just, he loved Airwolf back in the day. Yeah, yeah, the whole helicopter show and everything. And he would come in, and he would make helicopters just out of all of these different Legos. And I'm sitting there like, how is he doing this? I don't know how. Now, the truth is, is that I'm sure they were not perfect helicopters. He certainly did not become a mechanic later on in his life, but he was so in love with this show that he took that love and he made this amazing thing that the whole time I'm saying, how did he take all that mess and do this? And that's the thing about this. You're not going to know the perfect way to put any of this mess together. But that's the beauty about living out in the Spirit is that even when things are not spelled out for you, even whenever we look at our hands and we say, I don't have it perfectly, the Spirit is still there in us because of Christ, leading us and moving us in ways that we don't even realize. So this morning, where is God's Spirit leading you today? Is it always going to be comfortable? No but we know it's always because of a loving God who has made a way for you. Thanks be to God.